Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm pretty, I'm pretty fantastic. I'm, uh, you know, I'm uh, like exceptional today. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, your your voice is betraying your words. Yeah. So it's Friday. <laughs> Happy Friday! Yes, once again. Let me channel my inner Allie Owens. It's Friday! Get up! Let's go do some fun things! Hey! I, I, I like how you went from the excited Allie Owens to flat. Yeah. Like, you had a smile on your face when you were doing it, and then you're, it was a straight line across your mouth. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That <laughs> smile on my face. It was a straight line on my mouth. Right. It went from a smile turned up oh. to just that. I mean, if you were to draw you as a cartoon, Resting. your mouth would just be a straight line. RBF. RBF. Resting bro face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All, right. All right, man. So uh, welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. Yes. We want to thank everyone for joining us here today. We do. And I won't thank you since that apparently offends you. No, it doesn't offend me. It just struck me as peculiar. Okay. It's peculiar. I like that word. Thank you. It's a peculiar word, Ray. <laughs> hey, uh, I got some current events here. Oh, fantastic. Adam Chlastic. How do you spell that? C-H-L-A-S-T-A-K. Uh, he posts, The razor blade is, is sharp but can't cut a tree. The axe is strong, but can't cut the hair. Everyone is important according to their own unique purpose. And I love this last line. Never look down on anyone unless you're admiring their shoes. Nice. You like that? Yeah. I like the way you read it. Did you? I, I couldn't tell... What the emphasis was there? The, the emphasis, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, I don't know. It didn't didn't give away your. Oh, interesting. Your your take on it. It had a little touch could, of sarcasm in there. I could, it I could read had, you some Robert Frost. No, thank you. What about the one about the horse down by the river? Okay. And the guy's house is in town. So moving on. And it must be peculiar. My horse thinks it's peculiar that we're stopping here. And then at the end, he says, I have miles to go before I sleep. Remember that one? Yeah. That's a good poem. Okay. Is it a poem? I have no idea. I guess it's a poem. Yeah, Robert Frost. Yeah. Miles to go before I rest or something. Well, it had peculiar in it. It had peculiar. What what was that word? Frost, horse, lake, snow. I think that'll get it. Stopping by woods on a snowy evening. That's the name of it. it says my horse, mu- my little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. Then he says, uh, the woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. So, yeah, I mean, we are, uh, what would you call it? We're uh, doing a podcast. Right. No, that, that wasn't what I was referring to. Um, our That we enjoy poetry. Uh-huh. Renaissance men. Did you say that? <laughs> you I was know. thinking more along the lines of, uh, uh, 
what's the news guy, the news anchor? Oh, uh, Ron, Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> and I am Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, feel like, you know, kind of tortoiseshell glasses. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, drinking a fine wine, reading Robert Frost. You know, I mean, we're, we're not just, you know, cut up jovial. I mean, we, we're deep thinkers, John. Deep. Uh, there's deep. A, there's a lot to be gained from our podcast, Ray. You never know. I mean, who would have hit play thinking that they were going to hear some Robert, some Robert Frost? Frost. <laughs> right? I mean, I felt like... They must think it queer. <laughs> there should have been some, uh, you know, orchestra music in the background. Yeah, a little light. Maybe some jazz or no? No, I think more along the lines of... Uh, okay. Yeah. Pachelbel's Canon in D minor? I, one of my favorites. Yeah. Absolute favorite. Yeah. Okay. So, no, please. You go. Is that it for current events? I mean, you know. No, we, I thought you had we, a couple. We don't do the temperature anymore. You want to tell your Jocko story? We, we, we don't do the temperature. That was riveting. Anymore. No. Though you told me before the podcast. And then, I was the nerve of you, John. <laughs> because I tell you a story that had, I, I thought, some, some good information in it. Yeah, it did. Right? Uh, as far as, you know, health and, and, the values of being conscious of what we're eating, what we're putting in our body, the fuels, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then you show me a five-minute video of somebody discussing what watch they wear on air. I was just scrolling through LinkedIn. Right. And I uh, thought that, you know, that would interest you. You're a big watch guy, aren't you? I am. Listen, look here. Wesley Nunley. He, he posts a lot of funny stuff. He posts uh, salespeople in real life, and it says, quote, I'm a sales rep. And it says salespeople on LinkedIn, and it says, quote, I'm a business developing regional VP of global account management. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of a guy I knew uh, who uh, had business cards made up that said, you know, and this was when he was in high school, uh, petroleum transfer engineer. Right? Okay. He pumped gas at a gas station, <laughs> but he called himself a petroleum transfer engineer. He I was like right. I mean, he transferred the petroleum from uh, the pump into the vehicle. Man, that, are there states nowadays that you can't pump your own gas? I know that was a thing, like in the '90s or '80s. No, there's nowhere you can't pump your own I gas. It was a law, believe. like in Michigan or something. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But, it's rare to find a place where they. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know of any in our area that you but, can actually have somebody full service pump I your gas for you. I remember that being a thing. Like my mother would always go to one specific gas station because you know you just pull up and roll down the window. Oh yeah, I'll take twenty. I remember fill her up. Yeah, when I was a kid, I remember going to you know, and they had the full service aisle and then the self serve aisle. Okay. Yeah, and only what plebes would get out and pump their own. <laughs> They'd wash uh, your windshield. Certainly check, not people reading Robert Frost. Right. Check your oil. Right. Yeah. They'd pop your hood and check your oil. They would check your oil. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of the movie The Jerk. You remember? I remember Steve Martin, absolutely. Yeah, he was a fuel transfer engineer. Petroleum transfer engineer. Were yeah. you, uh, you like The Jerk? You like I that love it. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I, I don't get it. This is my favorite part. It's when he's at the gas station and the sniper, you know, randomly picks his name out of the phone book, which was a, another sad story because he was so excited when the phone book came, came out. out. Hey. I, we, I made it. Right. I made it. I got to call so my mother. Naughty. 
But then so the sniper's up there on the hill, and uh, the, he starts shooting at Steve Martin, and the, he's missing and hitting the oil cans. Right. And Steve Martin's going, oh my gosh, oh, the oil cans are exploding. Right. Then he notices the shooter, and he goes over by the soda machine. And right, and he starts, starts shooting the cans. cans. And he's going, that man hates cans! <laughs> Everybody run! <laughs> that uh, man hates cans! <laughs> yes, good stuff. Uh, but again, uh, I, I would have guessed, you know, with all of the movies that I've said I find enjoyment in yeah. that you just compl- you totally harass me over, and <laughs> because they're dumb. Well, and the jerk isn't dumb. I mean, it's that that <laughs> no. same kind of stupid comedy. It's that smart is- humor, Ray. <laughs> okay. It's like a cartoon in the New Yorker. You just have to get it, you know? right? Right. Well, I. Uh, <sighs> it's like Elaine Bennis's car- cartoon. There was an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. Where they had a cartoon out of the New Yorker and nobody got it. Except, you know, it was like 50 50, I guess, divided. Either you got it and it was hilarious or you didn't get it. And you thought it was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with the jerk. Okay. Versus Ace Ventura. <laughs> one's hilarious, one's dumb as rocks. All right. <laughs> I. I, I, I st- have a difficult time figuring you out, John. I'm an enigma wrapped in a fortune cookie. Yep. Or something. What is it? No, a riddle wrapped in an enigma. <laughs> Close enough. I'm like a fortune cookie. You know, fortune cookies. Let's talk about fortune cookies for a minute. You look kind of like a fortune cookie. Because yeah. they, uh, you smell like a fortune cookie. <laughs> yeah, you know. They smell like, you know, look, a wet cat. Fortune cookies used to predict a future event, right? On Friday, you will meet the love of your life. I don't you know, think it ever got specific. Next to week, you're going to be financially rewarded. Now they're like, you should wash your hands. No. Now it's now it's like motherly advice. No, it's more not so specific. I don't think it's ever been you know next Tuesday. No, but it you will be meet like the love of your life. Fortune befalls but, you or something. Right. I I think it it like horoscopes. It's something that's general enough that it could apply to anybody, but specific enough that it gives you some. Okay, I, I agree with that angle, happen. but you're missing the what the distinction I'm making is it used to foretell some event happening to you. And the ones I get still do. No, no. I mean, I don't. Maybe there are a few of those, but. Well, where, where do you eat fortune cookies? At a Chinese restaurant. All right. Well, I mean, we, we frequent P.F. Chang. Okay. All right. And the P.F. Chang fortune cookies are. Well, maybe they have you nicer know, fortune cookies than the Chinese restaurants I, I think that they I do. Frequent. Yeah. I think maybe there's a discount fortune cookie supplier and their fortunes suck. <laughs> I, I think that those are, that is in fact the case. Okay. Well, maybe we should start our own fortune cookie company with real fortunes in them. Well, if you go to P.F. Chang, you'll find fortune cookies that have real fortunes in uh, them. Yeah. Uh, the data is inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, I, you know, I got to check my own facts, Ray. All right. I'll go to P.F. Chang's this weekend. All right. And uh, Please. I would love for you to... I'll send you a con- picture of my fortune cookie, and I'll read it on the air next week when we record. Well, and if you believe in fortune cookies, mm-hmm. maybe it's just that that's your fortune. 
It's like, like you should wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> but that's advice. That, that, that's not that, predicting that, something. That, that, that cookie found you out because you are Look, not going to meet the hey, love of your life. Don't get me started on washing your hands, Ray. <laughs> I'm a compulsive hand washer. And you're, and Look, you're, I have my Lysol wipe. My sister the other day. And you have no great financial success on in in your future. <laughs> So, the fortune cookie gods are going, God, what can we tell this guy? Because he got nothing coming. Uh, t- let's tell him to wash his hands. <laughs> well, he already washes his hands. Yeah, yeah, but that's really the best we can do right now. Oh, the life of Job, Ray. The life of Job. Oh. So, these right here, these Lysol wipes. You know, we ran out like a couple of months ago, and we've been using spray alcohol in yeah. a vodka bottle, right? Well, it's hand sanitizer. Yeah. It's labeled hand sanitizer. Right. Smells like vodka. Right. (laughs) But I found these in my uh, tool chest. Okay. So they were in the bottom of my toolbox. Like, I got a rolling cart toolbox, you know, the thing with the drawers and all that. Yep. But my sister was telling me, you can't get these anymore. Like, they are just out of stock. You can't find them in stores. You can't get them on Amazon. So these are like gold, man. I thought maybe instead of us using them, I should put them on eBay. Right. $199. But you've already used some of them. I don't know if I have. Hey. What do they care? Right. Fill them. They're full. It's full, man. Yeah, it feels pretty full. How much do you give that? We could start at $299, $299.50, and we will work from there. All right. You You can never go back up on the price. Right. But if that's the last one, it might be the last one in the world. Maybe it's worth the two ninety nine for you to keep it. You might need it, and I I, I disagree with your. Uh, the data is inconclusive on what your sister said. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing do, against your sister. Do you have any of these? Yeah, we do, and I think Costco has them now. I think for a mm. while they were difficult to get because you know. Just like, you know, when a hurricane's coming and there's no milk or bread on the shelf for a few days. I went into uh, Walmart this week, not a single paper plate in the place. And the entire, the entire shelf, I have no idea. What the hell? Yeah. That's what, yeah, my wife People says to me, weird, well, yeah, what, not a single paper plate, but they had styrofoam plates, tons of styrofoam plates, but not one single, and they have multiple brands, right? I mean, you know, they have what their, their the, Sam's brand. And they were all sold out. Sam's brand, and they've got, you know, the... Higher end, whatever different brands Dixie. there are. Dixie. Uh, not one in the entire store. Hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, what do you think Dixie's going to have to change their name? Ooh. <laughs> All right, moving on. No politics on this podcast. Yeah, nope. Uh, okay, so. You got any other current events? I probably do. Do you want to. Do you want to talk uh, about the temperature? No. All right. Do you want to talk We've about. We've just given up on that. I just haven't done it lately. All right. I mean, don't call me a give-upper. Me give-upper? Hey, Topgolf is opening today in Chattanooga. How about that? Yeah, man. That's good to know. I think it's $25 an hour. Okay. And they have a mini-golf course. Hey. I've never been you know to where, one. You know where uh, mini-golf was created? In Scotland. Nope. Lookout Mountain, Georgia. No. At Rock City. At, with the little uh, gnomes. Rock City was the first place to have a mini golf course. Really? They don't have one anymore. They have one hole. It's it was called Tom Thumb Golf. Huh. Yep. Open, and, to cl- open to 6 p.m., $25 per bay an hour. 
6 p.m. to close, $45. What the hell? What's the difference? What? Why is it double the price to go after 6? Because uh, it's a date thing, maybe? Maybe either a date thing or they serve drinks. I don't know. Who knows? Climate-controlled hitting bays, 36 of them. A 13-foot video wall with 50 HTTVs. A full-service restaurant and bar. Indoor yeah. outdoor yard with fire pits. 18-hole miniature golf course. I'm a huge mini golf fan. Are you? Yeah, we should go out there sometime. Man, I'll tear it up on the mini golf course. I, I Really? I play mini golf for money. Regular golf? No way. Mini golf? I'm in. I'll tell you what, I'll put up this bottle of Lysol wipes against your $200 bills. <laughs> uh, how about your half thing of Lysol wipes for my, I'll bring a full one. That's, you know, okay. double. So I'm, you know, okay. I like, like two to one odds. All right, I like it. Hey, anytime anybody <laughs> offers you two to one odds. Ask Kevin from the office, right? You take it. <laughs> All right, Ray. That was fun. I, I enjoyed that current event segment. So what oh, are good. we, uh, so what are we well, going to I, dive I, into? Yeah, I share some? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I let you I go first. I've asked you like three times. No, I don't think you've what, asked We're me. supposed to do, I do one, you do one, I do one, you do yeah, one. Yeah, but you were so on you a roll. So you just let me run through all my You were on five. a roll. I liked it. I liked your where, oh, where your head geez. was at. I liked the way you, your train of thought there. All right. So you're, so you're like I, the guy that eats, uh, eats the Oreos. And licks all the cream out of them, and then has a stack of like ten cookie. How? How? How is that me? Uh, because you're you're. It's supposed to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Right, like a you, stew. What? Now but, you want to do all the cream and then eat all the cookies. But we don't. Oh, so you're the cream? <laughs> of course. And I'm the cookie. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm a little fluffier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more like the cream. In the middle. All right. I'll give you that. <laughs> no, but we, we change it up, right? We used to do the weather all the time. I even just asked you, are you going to do the weather? You go, no, we're, you don't do that. And I said, we, so we don't do that anymore? And you're like, no, you just don't do that now. Yeah, I was here. I heard it all. You right. To, well, this we, is the same kind of Laurel and Hardy skit. <laughs> this is the same kind Who's of... Who's on first? Oh, what's on second? I don't know. It's on third base. This is the same kind of thing, right? Sometimes we go back and forth, but this time I just I let you roll, man. I okay. let you continue on, and right. and I liked it. I, I like. I mean, why don't I just do the first fifteen minutes of the podcast and you do the last fifteen? By your <laughs> logic, no. Maybe once we try it that way, I don't know. We switch it up, right? You see what the audience thinks. Yeah, or, you know. <laughs> What we feel. Take we, a little break in between. Right. All right, you're now joining well, Ray's segment. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I would be here for yours. <laughs> and then when it was mine, you'd be like, what well, do I need to be there for? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's inefficient. <laughs> oh, but I was man. there for yours. I, that was your choice. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> So I share, about me like you know me. I share a lot from uh, the Brutal Truth About Sales and Selling podcast that they post on LinkedIn. I like this one. It's a Babe Ruth quote. <laughs> keep keep going. I'm going to go grab a yeah. drink. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We can pause. We pause. I mean, you don't have to pause it. All right, John. So I appreciate you being here for my segment of the current events. Right. 
Let's go. So, Let's have at it. Like I was saying, the brutal truth about sell, sales and selling podcasts. I share a lot of their posts, and this one is a Babe Ruth quote. The way a team plays as a whole determines its success. You may have the greatest bunch of individual stars in the world, but if they don't play together, the club won't be worth a dime. Okay. You like that one? Teamwork, yeah. Yeah. You know? If they don't play together, yeah. Right. You can have a bunch of great individual people. I think we've seen this happen in the NBA a lot. I think we've seen it happen in business and dealerships and sports. You know, I mean, you, you see it in the NFL. I mean, you know, on paper, you'll see a team. There's no reason that they shouldn't be the top of the league, right? Just because, you know, if you rate each one of their individual players, but then you look at their their totals and their week sucks. Because <laughs> they're not working together, Ray. Right. They're not a team. There's no symbiotic relationship. Yeah. So, about teamwork. I mean, we talked about doing a podcast on on teamwork. We have. Right? Is Within that, a dealership. We're not do that today, though. No. Okay. No, in fact, my next post or uh, comment here that I saw was uh, from uh, the inspirational leader, leadership first, Sky Schooley. Sky Schooley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting name. Yeah. Uh, employees who work under great leaders tend to be happier, more productive, and more connected into their organization. And this has a ripple effect that reaches your business's bottom line. Can we read that again? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Employees who work under great leaders tend to be happier, more productive, and more connected to their organization. And yeah. this has a ripple effect that reaches your bottom line. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last time, about you know just breeding a culture. Uh, and I think it was one of us that said... The, the employees are going to emulate the leadership yeah. culture. Yeah. They're going to emulate the leader. Absolutely. I think that's what that's saying is if you've got a leader who's instilling confidence and happiness and, you know, a fun work environment, well, people are going to be happy and enjoy going to work. Right. The leader gets, gets in there early, well, people are going to kind of follow that suit and say, you know, hey, what? It, probably a good idea to get in there early. Yeah, I agree. Right? I agree. You know, the thing about... Uh, Mini USB ports. What's that? Is 100% of the time, it takes three tries to get them in to plug yeah. in. Yeah, right? I found that. You know, you put You're it always going to do it the wrong way first. No, you do it the way, you do it the right way, but it won't go in. So you flip it over and you try harder. And no, it's definitely not going in that way. So you so flip you, it back over and you push and boom, you got it. Yeah. All right. Three times, every time. Every time for you. Everyone in the world. Well, uh, the data is inconclusive. Well, your data may be. <laughs> no, don't, the don't, data, you, don't you be talking about my data. The, the data. the data is the data. Yeah. My wife always says, don't get mad, get data. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to talk about leadership. All right, let's talk about leadership. All right. Well, I want to read some stuff, and I appreciate if you could try to hang in there with me. They're each one sentence long, so that should be within your framework of attention. <laughs> okay. All right. And it was from uh, Jocko from his podcast. Okay, more Jocko material. I love Jocko, I'm man. Excited. I think that guy is is intelligent yeah. and and makes he connects the dots very well. Yeah. Very popular um, guy, yeah. Yeah. 
So, and he was reading uh, from Lieutenant Colonel Ari O'Brien, who was a cavalry observer, I don't know, in Italy, and I don't know, you know, what the dates of this was, but the importance and need for leadership is what he was talking about. For mead? Like the mead? Lead? Oh. Yeah, stay with me, John. Stay with me. (laughs) I thought it was like the importance of mead in leadership. Right. Because the more beer that you disperse amongst your teams. Right. As yeah, that's so, what they did in the Civil War, right? I, I, that's what I, they do I, in all wars. They I, keep the troops drunk and say, "Hey, let's go over there. You want to?" I don't. Yeah, think, let's go over there. I don't think it's been called mead since the time of the Vikings. <laughs> but you know. All right, so yeah. I misheard the importance so the, of, of the word "lead" the in the bigger word "leadership." The importance of and need for leadership. Oh, the importance of and need, need for leadership. N-E-E-D. Yeah. I think I even went, said lead. Oh, did you? I think I did. Well, then you can understand my confusion. Well, right? I said, I believe, because I was reading the first time. So the first time I said need, and then you said need, and I said no lead. So you, you, you got me, John. Nice. Yeah, you got me so confused. Oh, I had man. no idea what I had even said. I don't said. know why we're not syndicated across the world. <laughs> right. I mean, this is top notch. Oh right yeah, no, absolute quality. <laughs> this is fantastic. So, uh, I always tell people we are a casual podcast about the automotive industry. We're just casual. Yes. Period. All right. So, uh, so in that, one of the things he read from this Ari O'Brien was the effect on most men of the impact of battle is to cause them to want to do nothing. Did you get that? No. The importance. The effect. Yeah. On most men of the impact of battle is to cause them to want to do nothing. So most men, when they're in a battle, they want to, they, they create, get stagnant. Yes. That's exactly his point. Okay. Right. That want makes them want to do nothing. Huh. Okay. Until they're led. Oh. That's the need for leadership. Okay. All right, let's let's go. I'm, you go I'm here. I'm not sure I'm totally buying into that sentiment, but you know, that guy's a some kind of cavalry watcher. Right. What is uh, he? He yeah, cavalry observer. There you go. Uh yeah. he was a lieutenant. So he, so he, a lieutenant t- colonel. So he, his job, his role, the name of what he does uh, is observe the cavalry. Uh, and now he's saying, hey, most of the time in war, people just don't want to do anything. Right. Well, they want I, to just observe. So I think... Imagine. You know, part of this lieutenant colonel's position was to determine what's effective and what's ineffective as we're engaging the enemy. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So, and that was his conclusion, is the impact of battle causes most men to want to do nothing... And then a determined effort must be exerted to cause them to want to do even simple tasks and are likely to neglect duties they know must be performed. What would cause that? What was the first part of that? A determined effort. Okay. Must, from, from their leader? Yeah. So okay. a determined effort must be exerted by leadership yeah. in order to cause them to do what they know should be done and even... Uh, their neglect of the duties that they know they must perform. Okay. Right? So I think... At, can you, when, can you sum all that up? Yeah. So I, I think when, when things... When the battle starts or, you know, the stress gets high, 
or you know, it's time to engage. Yeah. Right. The average person is who is being led, troops on the ground, boots on the ground, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, either state of shock or just just a, a sit back and wait for somebody to tell them, okay, go. Okay. Right? And it's kind of what we talked about, about that whole management thing, right? And I think what makes a leader better than more than a manager is a leader is going to get people get people moving, right? Keep, pe- keep people doing what they may already know that they need to do, but they need somebody to lead them. And this was, this, you know, this guy's observation, but I think it, it plays perfectly into business, dealerships, whatever function you're going to do. People more often than not are going to wait for somebody to give them their marching orders. All right. Well, I could, I can kind of see where this guy's coming from. I mean, he's a military guy. You know, what I know about the military never served, but you know, it's kind of what you're supposed to do is do the thing I tell you. You know, and whatever. I, I'm just not totally grasping this guy's point, but I think what I can gain from that personally is to instill the traits that you want in your team. Right. To tell them that that's what they are, you know, and support that. Well, it's like we talked about right right at the beginning of this discussion, which is they're going to emulate the leader. Yes. Right? I mean, you know, we we want people to show up early. We, we need to show them that we find enough value in it that we're showing up early. Yeah, I agree with that. Right? And, you know, if we want them... To I think it, it also comes down to a certain level of discipline. There's there's a reason that you want everybody, you know, dressed in the uniform. If you say this is the way we're going to dress, whether it's a tie, whether it's a branded shirt, you know, your shirt needs to be tucked in. You need to have a belt on. I mean, just the <laughs> basic. I, but you've been in dealerships where they've had to send people home because they didn't have a belt. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember any of that. So you've never been in a dealership where there was a there was a standard of dress. Yeah, but I think everybody just did it. You don't think it was said, "Hey, here's here's the way you need to be dressed when you come to work." Yeah, right. But I'm I've never I've never known of any controversy about that, unless it was a shirt and tie in August and 110 degrees. So I mean, you I get, mean, that, who wants to do that? So you, I mean, you know, having managing dealerships, which thank, you have thank, as well. Thank goodness you, we you, got away from that, and now people can wear, you know, a golf shirt, right? But you to stand out on the lot. But then you can find one guy with his shirt untucked, and you go, "Hey, man, tuck in your shirt." No, right? Okay, maybe. Or, or if you don't, next thing you know, you got two or three guys with their shirt untucked. Okay. Right? And it, it, I mean, if there's no discipline, if there's no requirement of, hey, we're going to, we have a certain standard here, right? I, I need you to look professional. Okay. Right? I mean, you know, I've known dealerships that say no facial hair. Right? I mean, really? it's a, yeah, yeah. Uh, where the hell have you been working where people are walking around with their shirts untucked, well, but they can't have a beard? I don't know. I've, I've never experienced any of these things you're talking about. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't... I mean, there... Is this the planet Mars you're talking about? I went to a dealership in uh, Clinton Township where you would have thought... I mean, when I first walked in there, I thought, oh my God, I've walked into the 1950s. Everybody had a white shirt on. They could choose their tie. They all had to have a tie. They could do short sleeves, but they all had to have a white shirt on, a tie, and black pants. 
Even the advisors. I mean, everybody who was customer facing had a white shirt on, black pants, and a tie. I just I, that sounds like a horrible place to work. No, it wasn't. People liked it. I mean, I don't, but it, I don't it was just—it doesn't matter what the standard is. You yeah. set the standard, and you hold everybody to the standard. And if anybody starts to deviate from the standard, you got to call them out because next thing you know, you'll have multiple people deviating from right, the standard. I agree with that principle. Okay, have standards, right? And don't and to expect uh, congruency. <laughs> With the standards, right? Right. I agree with that. Okay. But I don't I, know what the hell this tangent about wardrobe. Oh, man. Well, I, I, what the hell? Well, where, I, where do you go where people are like in cargo shorts and a, a damn ripped shirt out there selling cars? No. Well, so I think if you don't hold a standard on anything. Beirut? <laughs> If you don't hold a standard on anything, it will digress <clears throat> to the extreme eventually. I agree, but let's talk about some more uh, tangible, some more relative standards. Okay. Shall we? All right. <laughs> let's talk about sales process. A required TO. Okay. Okay. All right. Now we're getting somewhere, right? Yeah. But if I say everybody needs to have a TO before they leave the dealership, right? and then either I don't enforce it, or I, you know, well, this guy, he doesn't really need one. Or, you know, what do you want me to do with that guy? Just let him go. Right? Now, all of a sudden, I've undermined the standard that I set. Yeah, now you've created an exception. Right. Which and will, every time that occurs from now on, okay, then we'll, he won't, I, he, my manager doesn't want to T.O. on that one. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it, right? I mean, you yeah. know, early in the car business and a manager we both work with. And, you know, I mean, when we were both selling... And walked up to him one time, and he's like, going to evaluate a trade for me. Mm -hmm. I said, well, all right, well where, where do you want to put the trade yeah. for you to evaluate? And he goes, what do you mean? Put it in the place where we put all the trades. I mean, we got a spot for the trades. And I said, uh, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been like three different places in the last week, yeah. right? Well, which one of the places? And he tells me a completely different place that I never heard before as being the place that trades go. And I'm like... Yeah, there's no standard there, right? I mean, there's no, it's it's undermining of leadership. And I, the more that you do that, the less confident that the people are going to be in, in the leadership that they're experiencing. I, I agree. And I think what I have seen is a lot of egotistical people in the car business that don't want to ever admit fault or change their mind or, you know, this kind of thing. They don't want to be human. They want to be the absolute law and right. to never be questioned. Right. Right. Well, I mean, how enjoyable is that to work for? I mean, some, hey, some people respond to that. Yeah. You know, some people want that in their life. Right. But I think most, the majority of people, they want to enjoy going to work and feel a personal connection with the people they're working with, the people, you know, subordinate to them and the people that are managing them or leading them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there is more respect gained by somebody who deals in those interpersonal kind of aspects of it than there is of somebody who just, you know, demands compliance, right? It, right. I mean, you know, I've seen recently a, a manager who instructed a group of people, you need to make sure the people under you respect Jim over here, mm -hmm. right? Well, he's talking about an intrinsic evaluation, Right? It'd be like we talked about the other day. Yeah, It'd be like, emotion. like yeah. you telling me, hey, make sure that girl loves me. Well, I can't. 
How am I supposed to do that, right? How are you well, supposed to do that? I gotta be sure? the, in this example. Because <laughs> I'm the You're single the one, one who's here. <laughs> why can't. Maybe that's why you don't want to why, be. Why at. can't it be some girl asking you to make sure that I love her? Okay. Let's do that one. All right. Let's rewind and go back. Yeah. It'd be like some girl coming to me and going, hey, make sure John loves me. Yeah. Well, yeah, how am I supposed to do that? I can't do that, right? Make how, sure these how people respect somebody. that happened somebody. in your life, right? <laughs> All uh, the time, John. Right. <laughs> right. All the time. Except it's more like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on. All right. So, yeah, leadership. I think, yeah, it comes from a place of, um, well, we've talked about it before. I mean, mentoring versus managing, right? It's it's leading versus ordering, Right. You know, these aren't your, your troops that you command to do things. These are human beings with lives that you work with. Yeah. You know, that you, you're on a, like, I like the sports team analogy. You know, we've got a common goal. We each have a role to do. Yeah. And I think there ought to be some um, accountability amongst our peers. You know, a used car manager and a new car manager is a good example. They, they have to have a symbiotic relationship where they are looking out for each other's success. Yeah. Even though they have different roles. And and you, I'm sure you've been in those dealerships where the new car manager is like, man, that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing with the used car. You know, he doesn't know what one's worth. I know it's worth two grand more and he won't put it in it. So now I can't put my deal together. Well, how come sales are down this month? Well, it's because of that piece of crap used car manager. Won't put any money in trades. Right. I mean, we have to have a vested interest in our organization's success. Right. Right. The business, the owner, the managers, the employees all have to be working toward a common goal. And that's where the leadership comes in. Right. Right. Yeah. right. I don't think I'm, uh, anything I've said disagrees with that. Principle. No, I'm, 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 I'm agreeing okay. with you. I'm yeah. saying that's what you have been saying. Yes. And, and I totally agree. I appreciate that. And, and, You're welcome. And look, <laughs> and looking at the the fact that people's natural state is to do nothing. One of the quotes that, that Jocko said was, you know, they talk about all the time. Uh, why stand when you can sit? Why sit when you can lay down? Right? If you'll allow people to do the least, then they're going to gravitate toward doing the least. See, I think there was a study done in the 50s or something about this. And it was basically, I mean, I don't remember all the details. Maybe it's just kind of a common wisdom is there There are two types of leaders, two types of managers. And that is those that believe people are naturally lazy right. and those that believe people are naturally ambitious. The ambitious crowd of, of managers yeah. of that way of thinking Think you give them the tools they need and the environment to succeed, and people will naturally crave success and move towards that. Then there's another way of thinking that is you have to constantly be micromanaging your people, or else they're going to slack off and be lazy. It's, it sounds like this guy, this general or whatever, is has that every, all people are lazy mentality. Well, again, and, and I disagree. He's just observing. And I, I, so I don't think it comes down to that they don't act out of a sense of laziness. I think they don't act out of they're waiting to be led. Confusion, lack of knowingness. Right. Okay. Right. And that's what I see more often than not is that when, when faced with a dilemma or faced with stress, people will, I mean, shut down might be too extreme a term but 
people will, yeah. if I'm not sure what I should do next, okay. I'll do nothing. Well, I, I can kind of see that. I can kind of agree with that angle. And I think that goes back to if you're a in the in the group of people are naturally ambitious and, and that is still happening, yeah. then I believe it's because you haven't given them the tools. Right. You haven't created the environment wherein they can succeed. But there needs to be an accountability piece in there. You know, I mean, these are military people, right? I mean, obviously, how lazy can they be? They've been through all the trainings and everything else. I'm not saying else. that they are lazy. I'm saying he thinks they're lazy. No, I disagree. Okay. I think he's saying that they're, I mean, he started it by saying, you know, the importance and need that, of that's, leadership. That's the important distinction is that there aren't two types of people, you know, the, the, the lazy type and the ambitious type. I don't believe that. I think there are two outlooks on the general population. See, I don't agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't think that, you know, anybody says, well, they're all, I mean. I, I've run into Okay. So it's, it's pretty yeah. easy to fall in one camp or the other. They're, they're either, the either I'm here, here to help create the environment for my team to succeed. Right. Or the other mentality is I'm here to make sure that they don't screw up, you know, and I'm sure I'm here to make sure that they're working. Right. I'm here to make sure that they're succeeding. Yeah. You know. But because if I don't control their every move, then they're going to be lazy and fail. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. it, it comes down to self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, if somebody's going, you know, God, these guys won't do anything unless I'm on their butt, right? Well, then, you know, every time they see somebody who doesn't is not doing something, they're going to go, see, there you go, right? <laughs> I got to rip them. And I got to tell you, if I'm working for somebody like that and they finally give me a little breathing room, I'm going to be like, ah. Oh. Jeez, you know, let me just, you know, catch my breath for a minute. God, that guy's been riding my ass for seven hours. Oh, yeah. You know? Or the, or the guy. And, and then the guy's going to go, see, I wasn't riding his ass and he got lazy. Right. But No. <laughs> but, but I think it, it's a matter of, that's a lack of leadership. Amen. Right? I agree. And the, the true leader is the one who, you know, kind of gets in there and, you know, whether it's we're going to take this hill or we're going to have a great day on the sales floor today and he's pumped up and he's pumping up the troops and he's going around. Hey, man, who you working with? Who you talking to? Right. Well, hey, why don't you go grab that guy over there? It looks like nobody's talking to him. That guy is going to naturally bring success because of his leadership, his outlook. All right. So let's kind of summarize this. All right. Let's. Let's take account of what we've discussed and see if we can agree on these things. Okay. So from my point of view, leadership, like you're speaking about, involves a few things. I think it involves motivating your team. Yep. I think it involves creating an environment uh, where success is attainable. Yeah. And I think it's, like you said, there's got to be an accountability uh, aspect of it where right. we're, you know, if somebody's falling short, it's not that... We're going to jump on them and say, hey, you're failing. What the hell's going on? It's right. going to say, hey, come talk to me. You know, yeah. I notice your numbers are lower than normal. What's, what's going on? Yeah. You know, is there something I can help with? Right. Right. It's taking this nurturing, mentoring attitude instead of, you know, this general on the battlefield attitude. Yeah, you know, of here's what I told you to do. Now go do it. Why the hell aren't you doing it? Yeah. You know? Well, and, and again, from that leadership's perspective, I mean, we say all the time in our consulting, is it a K-N-O-W problem or is it an N-O problem, right? I mean, there are some people who are going to be the N-O people. I know what you, I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just not willing to do it. Yeah. And those are the people who we move to, you know, another role or, you know, right. on out. But I think more often than not, we look at it and say, well, that guy's just not willing to do it. But if you actually engage with them, he was like, listen, 
I've heard three different things as far as what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that produces stagnation in that person. Right? Because I'm not really sure. And so it's a matter of taking the time, being the leader to go, hey, man, do you do you understand what it is that I need you and, to do? And I think among management teams, you know, if you're, if we're talking about a sales team, hell, they got five managers, six managers in some stores. Right. Let's have a congruent agreed upon approach you know what is our sales pro- you know you and i have talked about we can sit in a conference room grab all the managers and the dealer and sit down and say all right everybody grab a piece of paper and write down the road to the sale in your store right and we'll have as many roads to the sale as we have people in the room yeah that's bull crap right, right. It, it, and it doesn't need to be that way well and that's a failure of leadership at the next level. I agree. Right? It's a failure of leadership by the general manager. It's a failure of leadership by the dealer. Yeah. Right? To hold his general manager. Hey, I want specific processes that we know that we can all be in agreement with and implement across the board. And I think what most organizations, if they can sell their way out of that, you know, it, it's like, well, our sales are up. You know, our sales are going okay. So we must not need to be organized. We must not need to lead people. Right. You know? Let me just figure out a way to put a couple more deals together today, and nobody will notice that we're an unorganized organization. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I have to say, along those lines of creating the atmosphere for success, uh, you and I have been in places, gosh, dozens and dozens of times, where a dealer is going to set up a new BDC, right? And we go in there, first meet and greet. We're just going to talk about how we're going to do this thing. And we're like, okay, where are you going to put it? Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, uh, and I had one, Birmingham, Alabama. We're going to put them in cubicles just like the salesman out on the sales floor. Like, it'll never work. Uh, yeah. It'll never work. you, you got to have them you know, in a place that's quiet where they can get on the phone, where they can have private conversations. So, yeah, it, literal things like that. Where are you going to put the people? Where are they going to work? Right. It's it's creating then now that's a creating a physical environment for success, but we also have to create an emotional environment for success, a an attitude environment for success. I agree, it does, and and I think those are the things that get lost is the details that we don't take the time to determine. Right? How are we going to implement this? I mean, I was working with a business where you know they they implemented like two large changes within their organization, mm-hmm. and in one of them the the person whose job it was to fulfill this new change was the only one that wasn't told of the change and they're like god this isn't working i don't understand it we're doing everything behind the scenes and you know he he just refuses to do it and i went to him and said hey man what do you think of this new change and he goes what well, what new change i said well the new change within the structure of you know how you're being assigned your time he's like no nobody's told me about any change <laughs> is this the same dealership where they're wearing cargo shorts and ripped up shirts? I've <laughs> never been to a dealership where they're wearing cargo shorts. That, uh, like, uh, that was in your imagination, Is John. this in post-apocalyptic Venezuela, <laughs> where this dealership that you're talking about? What the hell? I talked about an untucked shirt, and all of a sudden now it's ripped cargo shorts. <laughs> and, or no, uh, cargo shorts and a ripped up shirt. I mean... Uh, and Birkenstocks. You are a man of extremes. Or combat boots. Which one makes the vision better? Combat boots where you turn down the top of them? All right. I appreciate you being here, John. <laughs> do you? I do. Do you really? Absolutely. 
Uh, All right, well, I think that brings us to the end. <laughs> you've, you've had enough. Huh? I'm good. Uh, you, you got more? I could go uh, on for another hour or oh, two. Uh, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm very uh, passionate about leadership because, man, there were people in my career that I would not have achieved the success that I have had people not mentored me and, you know, taken me under their wing and right. given me, you know, a, a little side conversation. Hey, man, you have you tried this? Right. Give this a shot. You know, it, without those people, I wouldn't have achieved the success. And I feel an obligation to, you know, change the business in a better way that that happens more often than it currently does. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, Just, maybe, you know, through this podcast, we can <laughs> we can influence I, the world. I think we have, bro. Yeah, we have. I think we well, have. I got a text this morning, man. <laughs> Unknown number. I mean, the number's up here, but I don't know it. I don't have it saved as a contact. From a dealer principal in Miami and he just texts me I, don't, I honestly don't know how he got my phone number right. maybe it's creepy. on LinkedIn <laughs> but I mean I checked the guy I googled the guy we're friends on LinkedIn I mean I've got 6,000 I don't know each and every one of them and I don't have their phone number saved but he says hey I enjoyed your podcast I listened to the agreement episode pretty intriguing the two personalities and voices complement each other perfectly great chemistry very harmonious and motivational. Yeah. So it's, it's, hey, we just do what we can, Joe. I mean, that, that's heartwarming, though. Oh, absolutely. I love to get that. Yeah. It's, it really yeah. kind of, you talked about what motivates people, and it's not necessarily always financial. Yeah. That's a way to, mo- I mean, that's pretty damn motivational yeah. to get a but text. That guy like took that. the time to shoot you a text yeah. to say, hey, man, I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, it sounds good. Good stuff, man. All right, man. All right, bro. Well, uh, I think the music means we have come to the end of yet another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. It is that time, and we thank everyone for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Thank you. Like to learn more about John and Ray, visit our website, SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com, where you can also listen to additional episodes or read articles we've written. Or email us directly, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. We'd love to hear show ideas, comments, feedback. What about dealers and sales managers, Ray? If you're a dealer or manager who would like more information on our sales training, BDC training, new hire training, or process evaluation and improvement, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. And don't forget about the total dealership assessment, Ray. That's where we come in, evaluate the sales process, look at the lead flow. I mean, if you've got leads that you're not handling properly, we can help. And we can help both on the variable and fixed operation sides of the dealership. Right, and these are immediate action items that you can put in place tomorrow to sell more cars or write more ROs. Right, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. That's info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com.